back. Man, Brett, we've had quite the past two years, and in saying that sentence, I realized we could be talking about a variety of... <laughs> Two-year segments in our life? Sure. Well, no. Uh, the last two years, basically every aspect of our life has been turned upside down and shaken around 57 different ways. And so... Not all of which was our undoing ourselves, but... Yeah, but like if I was like, oh yeah, this area of focus was really intense for us, you could be like moving a bunch, job stuff, having a baby. And then in fact, I'm really talking about uh, my own healthcare cost again, because I've had a handful of surgeries and a baby, which is expensive to do in America. Right. And, you know, for whatever reason, they keep sending bills. Like it was like months of like more bills just showing up occasionally when people got around to billing things out yeah. after insurance right just so many fun activities right i think, I think they stopped finally it's been six months yes <laughs> or because yeah. we moved they can't find us anymore i mean i was joking uh with my one surgeon like there should i should there should be a program where it's like okay i bought like two surgeries in the same year like when do i get one free i guess it's the third one so i didn't quite get there right yeah yeah um gotta go for the hat trick so your trivia question brett what was the average healthcare premium for an individual in 2020 monthly how much did the average person pay monthly to have their health care to have health insurance not with expenses 86 dollars $457 a month. Damn! Healthcare is, or health insurance is very, very expensive. Now, a lot of times when you work for an employee, employer, they will like pay for a lot of that for you. Uh, But as we mentioned on one of our podcasts earlier this year, turns out that a pandemic, when there's a bunch of layoffs, not a great time to have health insurance tied to (laughs) your employment status. Right. And yeah, we talked about this before when I lost my job, right? We discovered... Right. Like, luckily, you have really good health care as well. So I was already on your plan. But like, what a nonsense thing to do to have me like lose my job in the middle of the pandemic. And then like, I would have lost all my health insurance at the same time. Like, total nonsense if you were designing the system today to have it tied to your employment at all. What? Right. Like, why? <laughs> right. Well, I mean. My employer has nothing to do with anything that I do medically. It, uh really has to do back in the day there was a lot of like um inflation and then and then wag wages kind of stagnated and unions really protected those wages and so they couldn't increase for a while because of unions but what employers could do was start paying for things for their employees and so that's kind of where we got like the you pay for the retirement plan and the health insurance it used to be that you got like higher wages and then you could allocate that out and then with kind of all of these bargaining tools way back in the day, it turned into the system we have today and then it's prevailed ever since. Right. So was, Which I found because I read Barack Obama's book and turns out <laughs> he knows a lot about health insurance. <laughs> he, he did have to study up on it to like do some semblance of the Obamacare plan, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, today we are going to talk more about health insurance. Uh, we've talked about it a bit in the past, but I actually do get a lot of questions about it. And um, just from a lived experience, so 2020 was probably the highest possible possible medical bills we could have. We actually did hit our out-of-pocket maximum. So, woo! Ooh, 
(laughs) (laughs) goals. Wicked year for us. Um, But, you know, through it all, we knew we were going to have a baby um, when I was signing up for open enrollment that year. And I actually still chose to keep my high deductible plan. And y'all might be like, whoa, you're crazy. Uh, But hear me out. So I sat down and I did the math. And so... No way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like Andrew Yang. Uh, I'm just going to keep dropping apparently Democrats in this podcast. Uh, So I did... Yeah, I did the math. And there was like a 90-10 plan, an 80-20, and an HSA. And now I've probably totally already confused a bunch of people because this is how confusing our health insurance is. So 90-10 is basically just like... It's kind of what a lot of people refer to as like a Cadillac plan. So it's an old school health plan where basically you will have most of your expenses covered. You will have to pay things called copays for like, you know, 20 bucks when you go visit your doctor. And then outside of that, if there's anything that falls out of the copay range, you'll have to pay like 10% of it up until you hit your deductible, which is usually fairly low. Right. And 80-20, very similar, except you will have to pay more of your deductible and your deductible will be a little bit higher before that shuts off and and then your health insurance kicks in and pays the rest. Still with copays. Yes. Um, And then the HSA, all of a sudden copays go away, but your deductible is much higher and you basically pay all of your... Yeah. Yeah. You pay all of your expenses until you... um, hit your high deductible plan and then and then it shuts off and, and your insurance pays the rest. And now when you first look at that, you're like, oh, well, everyone should pick the 90-10 plan and you just have co-pays. Um, but then you sit down and you have to pay the monthly premium that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast where the average premium per month was $450. Now the 90-10 is going to have a way higher premium than the HSA or the high deductible plan. Okay. So what I did is I sat down for my company and I said, okay, this is the premium for each one. And the premium you have to pay every month. Yeah. Right. It's just cost of doing business. So in a normal year, if I do a high deductible plan and I don't have to go to the doctor except for my like annual checkup, which is covered under preventative care. You don't have to pay for that visit, even on a high deductible plan. Right. And there's a ton of stuff that's preventative that's covered, right? Right. All of our daughter's like well child visits are covered. Um, so I don't have to pay for any of that. But if I go to like a specialist, like I have to see a dermatologist, um, then that I do have to pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a normal year, like if you don't, go to the doctor very often, then it's it's kind of like a no-brainer, right? But I, I sat down and I crunched the numbers and I realized I was within like, I think it was like $800, even if I had to max out the deductible on the high deductible plan versus paying that premium every month. Right. And I was like, well, if I'm this close, then what a lot of people forget in this equation is when you contribute to an HSA, that money goes in tax-free. Tax free. Woo! And then it grows tax-free, and you withdraw it tax-free if you pay for qualified medical expenses, which everything at the hospital or surgeries is all falls under that ballpark, right? right? And any eye doctor's appointments or dentist's office, like, that all counts too, right? Right. Yeah. And so when my high deductible, I think it was, like, right around $5,000 for, you know, Brett and I because we're on a joint plan, um, if I contributed that $5,000 to HSA because I knew I was going to have those expenses anyways... Then essentially, you know, if 
if our tax bracket, and I don't actually know what our tax bracket exactly is, but let's say it's somewhere between 15 and 20%, that feels about right federally. Um, let's say it's 20% for, you know, simplicity's sake. That means that really I'm getting like a, an extra like $1,000 benefit because I'm not paying taxes on that money. Right. So then you come out ahead. Right. So then you come out <laughs> a little bit ahead when you, when you right. sit down and look at the numbers. So... Um, when I looked at that and I realized that kind of the benefits of having that HSA account, and now in full disclosure, um, I think the hardest part about starting a high deductible plan is the first couple of years. Because if something goes wrong while you're trying to build up your nest egg in your health savings account to pay for these expenses, it can feel really detrimental. Um, surprisingly, I had to have the same surgery when I graduated from college. So I've had the surgery three times now. I should have gotten it for free. I have not. Um, and so I had to have it right after college and I was on a high deductible plan. And I, I mean, I had student loans. I didn't have a huge savings. And that for me was really, really tough because I had to kind of go on a payment plan with the hospital to make it all work. Um, so I understand it can be scary to switch to, but I will say that that was also just really bad kind of timing on my part. And once I got through that first year with it, now I've had a high deductible plan for nine years. And so I've had, you know, two really bad years over that nine years. And the rest of the time I can put my money in to my health savings account. And still, even with those bad years, I have enough money, more than enough money actually, to even cover another two years of hitting my deductible now. Right. And all that I do or all that I did, especially to start was take what I would have been paying in premium for that like fancy plan. So if it was like $400 a month or, you know, something like that, I took that and I put it in my health savings account instead. Just to get ahead. Yeah. Well, because I was well, like, do you, do you max it out every, cause is there, is there a max for the HSA? So yeah, it's $7,000. And if you can max it out, especially if you're new, um, to saving for this and you want to get that money in there, mm-hmm. you know, to protect against your deductible. I think that's a really good idea. Um, for me, when I had first started, I was like, okay, well, if I jump on the 90-10 plan, I have to pay $400 a month anyways. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm going to jump on this cheaper plan for, let's say, $100 a month, and then I'll put $300 a month in my health savings account because I'm still spending the same amount on health insurance. Right. And I have personally found that at now at the end of the day, I have come out ahead because when you pay the premium, it's gone. It goes to the insurance company and you never see it again. But when you have that money in your health savings account, that's your money. Right. And even if you, even in our current system, if you leave your job, you get to keep all that. It comes right. with you, right? That is tied to you. Right. And so, and you can, you know, if you leave your company or the company fires you or whatever, uh, you can transfer that to whoever holds it for that company, whoever they work with to hold the HSA, you can transfer that to whoever you want to. Uh, I think it was like UMB was holding my in with my company and then they started charging me a fee as soon as I like left the company and I like transferred it to Fidelity, who like didn't have a fee or something like that. Right. And again, like we talked before, moving things around between those accounts is, yeah, like a two-step process. It's not like <laughs> super easy, but like it, within like a phone call, it's like totally doable. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I've personally found that there's a lot of benefits to that strategy. And, um, you know, if you're somebody who you know, every single year, you have certain reoccurring expenses, you know, maybe you'd be better off with a a different plan. Definitely like crunch your own numbers. But I will say one thing um, that can be very confusing about like the 90-10 style plans is 
if you have co-pays, which you have to pay every time you go to a doctor's visit, those are not counted towards your deductible. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, when I go to my, you know, current dermatologist, that is anything that I pay him counts towards my deductible. So if it's a $50 visit, $50 comes out off of my deductible. But if I have a $25 copay, then that money is just gone too. Right. And my deductible remains. So um, I highlight that because especially once I started like thinking about how many specialists I was going to have to be seeing, um, you know, for my surgeries in 2020, I was like, oh, well, you know, if I have to go to five office visits before I even have this surgery, then that's like, you know, another $125. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people, when they just look at the deductibles, high deductible is really scary. But, um, you know, I, I would just caution that copays can really add up as well. Right. It's just hidden. It's a hidden, you know, virus. Right. right. Nobody pays attention to like the little incremental dollar amount. And at the end of the year, you just spent like $10,000 in copays. Right. And um, <laughs> for prescriptions as well. So if you have a prescription, you'll have like a $5 copay for your prescription. Right. And then on a deductible plan, again, that comes off of your deductible. High deductible. Yeah. Right. Um, and so um, I will note that once you hit your out of pocket maximum on the 9010 plan, your copays do count for that, so then everything would be covered. But that is typically higher than your deductible. Right. So, um, so and, and companies usually have incentives to move toward the high deductible plan, right? Because I know when they when that was introduced at my company before, like they were really trying to push people to like look at it and adopt it. Right. So like I don't know if it's cheaper for them on the back end if I'm if they have so many people that are a part of the plan or like more people on the plan versus like having the ninety ten plans. So it is definitely cheaper for your employer because the ninety ten plans have gotten very expensive because nobody really wants those to continue existing. And a lot of people might argue and say, Oh, well they don't want them to exist because they're like too good for me. <laughs> but um the, the, the actual problem is when you when you break it down and you look at the drivers there, it's because when you're on a high deductible plan, you know what your doctor is charging you. There's right. no secret because you have to pay it. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden you might ask why your visit is so expensive. Or, you know, I know I'm really big on if I get a prescription, I will pull up 10 different pharmacies in my area and find the place with the cheapest price. Mm -hmm. Because that's my money. That's real money coming out of my wallet. But if you have a copay, then you don't really care how much your doctor charges. Or you don't really care how much your prescription is. Right, because you're only paying, you know, $30 on a $300 office visit. And you're like... I was only here for five minutes. Like, what do you mean this is a $300 office visit? Right. But when you have a copay, then you're just like, oh, well, exactly. I just pay $30, so it doesn't matter. Right. And so the reason that employers and health insurance companies are really promoting these plans is when you have that price transparency, then that's how you actually drive health costs down. And, you know, I will say... Regardless of what your position is on if you think it's a good idea to have like more state sponsored healthcare or not a good idea or whatever, you know, universal healthcare, one thing that I know is America's healthcare costs are the highest. So while we continue arguing about who pays the bill, we are just pumping tremendous amounts of money into the system for not better care than other countries. I think if the pandemic has shown us anything, it's shown that like, it's not like we're like immune to like 
oh yeah, we just have the best care in the world. Like that's right. not true. And so um, I think one big thing to really start fixing some of the healthcare issues in this country is going to be figuring out why the cost is so high and driving it down. And honestly, one thing that's really not helping this is how complicated our systems are. Because when you have doctors that have to employ like whole departments to handle their billing, to talk to the insurance companies to get code sent incorrectly because some stuff is preventative and it's covered 100% and some stuff needs a copay and some stuff needs a deductible. It's a mess. And I'm an actuary and I think it's a mess. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's not work you can just like throw like a new hire admin at, right? That you just pull up off the street and be like, hey, I need some help like running my computer and like doing some of the billing and my like practice that I have, right? You need somebody that has like experience managing and working in this stuff because it is such a nightmare. It's basically its own specialized skill. Right. So, you know, the the more we could streamline some of that, the more that cost can come back down. Right. And I think there's, ultimately, there's just a lot of admin fees in there, right? right. Any any large system is going to have a lot of administration costs. Right. Administration costs are expensive because they're confusing. Right. <laughs> And, and the insurance, you know, is expensive, too, because it's complicated and there's a lot of claims coming in and we keep getting unhealthier. And I mean, I could go on and on about how why are we getting so unhealthy? And there's so many things that we could also be promoting to the general population or solving problems like food deserts that still exist all over the country that are not helping. Right. Um, but, you know. That I guess that's probably another topic that right. I would just and that's, be able to And that's about. playing the devil's advocate of, like, the stuff is, you know, the, the procedures and the medicine are fairly priced to begin with at the beginning of this, like, maze that you go through. And the by the sheer evidence that you can, like, shop around for, like, wildly, wildly different prices for prescriptions, right? Like, hundreds of dollars on prescriptions. Right. Like, literally, you could go to Walgreens or you could go to, like, you know... CVS or like an online like uh, Express Scripts or something like that, right? That we've used before, and the, you can you can literally see like a hundred dollar difference in some of some of the prescription costs. It's like what? Like it can right. go from like a hundred and five dollars to like five dollars, right? And like that is just like ridiculous. Right. That, that's not like oh yeah, you know we're just it's all the admin costs. Not like sorry, no somebody's right. somebody's taking a huge cut somewhere. Right, and I think my point was it's complicated and there's a lot of different different components there, right? And some of it's like what you're talking about. Some of it is just like no something crazy is going on here. Some of it is the admin stuff, and you know quite frankly, also some of it is just like. Um, location-based, like our pediatrician in Chicago, their, like, five-minute office visit where they just, like, weigh our daughter and check her length was, like, $250. where I have to, like, lay, you know, do everything for, like, I have to handle the kid in all capacity, and they're just like, okay, I'm gonna get this measuring tape out, and I'm like, okay, see ya. I'm like, right. what? I had to, like, get her and put her on the scale and, like, hold her down, and, like, what? You didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> and then our pediatrician here, who is, like, phenomenal, is, like, a third of the price. Right. Um, and that's location, right? But, um, so anyways, I think there's, like, many different angles here of why healthcare can be so expensive. But obviously, if there's more transparency into what you're paying, and I've even had the conversations where, you know, because I am on a high deductible plan, sometimes I will just choose to pay for something out of pocket if we're getting close to the end of the year and I know I'm not going to hit my deductible anyways. And it's amazing because sometimes when I say that, and this is how I know that like billing and insurance can complicate things because sometimes if I'm like, oh, I'll just 
pay with cash, then all of a sudden, well, I the just prices are different now. Pay yeah. a better price, right? <laughs> right yeah. um, so it's definitely very complicated. Healthcare in America is. I feel like if we have any foreign listeners that held on this long for something that they were like, ha, don't have to worry about this. Um, you know, it is confusing. And I had a friend here from the Netherlands a, a summer and a half ago, and uh, she had to get like, she had to make sure that her insurance would like cover her while she was like on vacation in America. And she actually had to like switch companies because there are such few European companies that like want to do, have anything to do oh, with I'm, our healthcare situation. Yeah, I'm sure like it's a total nightmare. They have to have a whole nother division of their company just to be able to like interface with any of our systems here. Right. right. Oh yeah. So, um, but kind of get to get back to the point, I guess I would just encourage you. And I know it's a little bit late now obviously because we missed open enrollment um but next year or like as you go through the year if you just maybe keep track of like what your actual health care costs would be get your bills see what the bill rate was even if you have a copay just keep track of like oh this is what they actually billed me and then you know crunch the numbers when open enrollment starts again and decide if it actually makes sense to stay on the plan you're on or if it's worth considering a high deductible plan. Because I will say, you know, years ago I was like, oh no, I would never want that. That seems like I'm just going to be paying all this money and I'm going to be on the hook for all this stuff. And in hindsight, it's actually allowed me to build up a really good health savings account. And, you know, I get to keep that money now and that can pay for future medical expenses. Mm -hmm. And I can keep adding to it every year, which is really nice. So I'm a big fan of them. It's definitely something that kind of took me by surprise. But once I... I crunch the numbers, you know, I think a lot more people should consider them. And, you know, I will also give the disclaimer that if you don't have employer-sponsored health insurance and you are on the marketplace, you know, looking for a health plan, that some of the high deductible plans are super, super, super high, right? Like you might have like a $20,000 deductible. And I understand that like that is also very scary so definitely shop around and figure out what you're comfortable with and find your sweet spot right most of that that stuff is just like offensively garbage like i i can't even imagine why that stuff even exists but i know that i saw that this is basically uh february 2021 when we're recording this i know that as part of the new biden administration they were going to reopen uh applications for the obamacare program uh right which is not which is like out of cycle but he was doing that because of so many people getting like laid off out of their out of their jobs and like they were on the market for new healthcare. Yeah, and so I will also actually point that out. So if you have a qualified life event, which is a job loss or um, a relationship status change, so if you're married and you go to divorce, or vice versa, single to married, or if you have a baby, all of those are a qualified life event where you can re up your health insurance. Right. So even if it's not, you know, open enrollment time, you can go out there and look into it for that. Uh, And I think one other really interesting thing is, you know, a lot of people might be asking me, oh, well, Angela, what do you think the best marketplace, you know, policy plan is? And unfortunately, uh, (laughs) every state has their own. And uh, from reading Barack Obama's book, I actually found out that that was not what he wanted, but it was one of the compromises he had to give. Uh, to get Republicans to vote for the Affordable Care Act because they really wanted to preserve state rights. Sure. Which, I don't know. 
like it just makes everything so complicated to have fifty a, different yeah, things instead of one. To have, yeah, right. <laughs> their own rules for how it's managed, and if you move, then you're just totally wrecked. Right, and so yeah, we have fifty different platforms, basically fifty different marketplaces, and they all have different plans. And certain states have not signed the interstate complex, or which basically means um, it's an agreement between states where, as an insurance company, you have to get your like plan licensed in every state and so there's so many states that are just like we're all in this together and if you're in any of these states like it'll apply but then of course they can't all agree to that so um basically it's a dumpster fire and there's certain plans that like i know when we lived in illinois i technically had like blue cross blue shield of michigan because my company was in michigan and then i had to like make sure that my doctors accepted that and not blue cross blue shield of illinois because why we have to make this so complicated i don't know um so anyways, unfortunately, I have not researched all 50 states' health insurance plans, and I cannot tell you which ones are the best or not, but I would just encourage you to do your own research, figure out what monthly premium you're cover with, comfortable with and what deductible you would be comfortable with, and then just like play around with it a little bit to hone in on that sweet spot. So if, is, is it possible for me to get a high deductible plan without an employer? Yes, on the marketplace. Okay, so they do have that as an option. Cool. Yes. But like I said, the deductibles can vary greatly. So make sure you know what you're signing up for. And so when I do that exercise and do that comparison, I want to look at like potentially what my cost would be over like an annual basis. So I'm looking at like, you know, 12 months times the uh, premium that I would have to pay for it. You know, plus I would do, you know, calculate in, you know, whatever my deductions would have to be, you know, assuming like I was going to pay like, let's say I have to pay like $10,000 in like a more catastrophic event for that year. Mm-hmm. Assume that, run through that scenario, figure out what my co-pays would be for that kind of stuff. And then right, do that same comparison with the high deductible plan. Right. And then be like, if I go, you know, over or under that, which one's looking better, right? Right. And then you, and then basically health, you know, health, healthcare is a gamble. <laughs> am I going to get sick this year? Am I going to get in a car accident? Am I going to have like a, have to break my arm and get a surgery? You know, what, what am I, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I would say too, like if you're on the fence about it, but you, you know, have a healthy savings, then that definitely gives you more comfort, comfort because you can kind of stomach a loss if you need to that year. Right. Um, but statistically, it's unlikely that, you know, you will have something bad happen to you. Right. right? It's not, it's not impossible, but like, in the general population, everybody probably should be on the high deductible plan because it is, again, statistically unlikely that you in particular are going to have that something that bad happen to you compared to everybody else in the country. Right. And I've had all the surgeries for everybody, so everybody else should be (laughs) fine. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have any, you know, specific questions, I'm happy to try to help. Um, But I would just encourage you to kind of take a look at it. I know we've been on a high deductible high deductible plan for almost a decade now. And I think we have definitely had a fine result with it, Um, especially when all the preventative stuff is covered. Then I feel like I don't really have that much in a normal year that I even have to pay for. Right. And if you have found that like you have great health insurance and you're like not currently employed or are an early retiree, somebody that's fired already, we would really like to know like what you found to be like the best health insurance for you. Um, somebody that's just like not getting it from their employer uh, on a more permanent basis now. Cause uh, I think that's a major gap in the system that we have is if you want to long-term not have health coverage from an employer, 
there is not a great option that we've found from it's the people we've talked to. Quite expensive, right? Yeah. So as and again for people that are like planning to retire early, it's a major factor, right? Right. Where you just need to like come up with all this extra money all of a sudden for, and this, for health insurance. If you live in any country that's not America, go ahead and just keep laughing at us about <laughs> our health care situation. Right. It's to the fine. to the point where if you want to retire early in America, you maybe are considering moving out of America. So uh, it might be cheaper that way. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.